Welcome to the Louder Than Silence podcast with your host, C.G. Wagner. This month's episode is coping. During the time in my life when I was struggling the most with the aftermath of sexual violence and abuse, my primary unhealthy coping mechanism was generally considered by most people to be a positive character trait. But people never see behind the scenes on other people's lives. They didn't see the compulsion that drove it or understand the deep feelings of insecurity that fueled it. So, unintentionally, people praised me for an approach to life that was draining my vitality and causing me even more harm. If you listened to last month's episode, well, that's just perfect. It will be no surprise to you that the main way I coped was overworking. I detailed the difficulties of a particular job that I had. Eventually, I left that job to get one that I thought I would love. It turned out I didn't love it, nor did it give me the hours promised in order to actually fund my life. Lucky for me, my coping mechanism sprung into action full force, and I ended up with three jobs, balancing schedules in just as much of a chaotic manner as I had at the job that I left. One of those three jobs turned into a full-time job after a few months, so I was able to quit the other two. And good thing I did, because then I threw myself into working the new job 70 to 80 hours a week. Since this new job was so physical, I eventually ended up with tendonitis in my foot from so many long, brutal hours. My schedule fluctuated day by day, the shift starting anywhere from 4.30 a.m. to 10 a.m. My sleep was erratic, my body ached, but I felt fulfilled. What I didn't know then, that I know now, is that I was using my jobs as my identity. I got validation from the long hours and serving good food and continuing to push myself beyond the breaking point. All of these things became me. And even better, it distracted me from taking the time to look deeply at myself and my life to understand what was happening. Up until recently, my entire career has been careening from either one job with unreasonable hours to multiple jobs with collectively unreasonable hours. But I was a good worker or management material or a leader or some other positive affirmation. If my work ethic wasn't acknowledged by my manager, I would double down, trying so hard for approval and acceptance using this mechanism that shut me off from myself to do it. Typically, other people in my life would step in to fill those praise gaps, fulfilling the cycle of feeling like life was unmanageable, so I would work even harder, get praised by someone for doing it, then feeling like I didn't even know who I was without working so hard, which would make things feel even more unmanageable, and on what it would go. And I'm not entirely sure why the word workaholic has fallen out of favor, but this is exactly what I was. Working was my addiction. If I had approached alcohol, drugs, food, sex, or any number of things the way I did with work, surely someone would have staged an intervention. Instead, 
I was praised for my deeply unhealthy drives and coping mechanisms to the point that I wasn't even sure who I was without them. And this is where so many survivors find themselves. When the weight of everything feels unbearable, we turn to distractions and ways to cope to help us through. For some, we find healthy activities to carry the load. For most, unhealthy coping mechanisms take over, and now we are looking at unwinding them. So for this episode, we are exploring coping mechanisms as part of our Understanding LTS Workshops series. Each month, we are going through the topics that we discuss in our workshop sessions as a way to help supporters understand our experiences and for survivors to feel heard. In past episodes, we've looked at our patterns and perfectionism and shame cycles. Today, we are looking at our coping mechanisms, why we have them, what makes them healthy or not, and how to move away from ones that are unhealthy in favor of healthy ones. I don't think any of us is confused about the concept of feeling like we need a break sometimes. But how does needing a break turn into a coping mechanism? For a person who hasn't experienced the significant trauma of sexual violence, life more or less ebbs and flows. There are times that feel overwhelming and intense, and there are times that feel more peaceful and slow. It comes in cycles and seasons, and there is a remembrance of recent less intense times to help carry a person through until another break is on the horizon. It's a pattern that the person has seen time and time again throughout their lives. But for a person who is still sorting through significant trauma, abuse, or sexual violence, Life is lived exclusively on the overwhelming and intense end of the spectrum. Since every part of the person's life has been impacted, their day-to-day oscillates between feeling unmanageable to feeling like it's going to be their breaking point. There is no rest, downtime, or peace. It's just intense all the time. The activation never stops. Interrupting sleep, relationships, work, you name it. And as the activation impacts those areas of life, the reactions also start to feel more out of control, so the intensity feels even more pronounced. Eventually, a person in the state gets to a point where they feel like they just can't keep up this pace anymore. The coping mechanisms begin as a way not to experience this level of chaos to the full extent even for just a brief period of time. Once the person feels this relief of not carrying this burden all the time, it becomes easier and easier to turn to the coping mechanism. It's finally being able to turn the dial back, to feel the ebbs and flows that other people experience. It's just another tool that's needed for people living in post-trauma activation to finally feel some semblance of rest. So, what makes a coping mechanism healthy or not? Well, it really boils down to the motivation behind it. Healthy coping mechanisms allow for space in our lives where none currently exists, but that space allows for greater connection with ourselves, others, or the divine. It's a pause from the swirling thoughts and activation to hear what our bodies and souls are saying we need. 
It's giving ourselves space to exist. Some examples of this might be journaling or prayer meditation, using coloring books or some other creative activities, simply going for a walk. To be clear, none of these activities are default, like good to do. Again, it all depends on the motivation. If you are using one of these as a way to shut off from yourself instead of reduce activation in your life, then you've begun using them in an unhealthy way. Applying unhealthy implementation or methods to anything healthy will not give you the results you want for yourself long term. In fact, I would argue that you are likely compounding the issues for yourself. For an example of what I mean by this, say you decide that you want to start incorporating more fruit into your diet. A healthy approach would be replacing one snack a day with a serving of fruit instead. An unhealthy approach would be only eating fruit and nothing else. Remember, life is not well lived in the extremes. So we need a combination of healthy inputs alongside of moderated approaches in order for the coping skill to be net positive. Unhealthy coping mechanisms generally aren't a surprise to anyone. Drug and alcohol use, risky behaviors, social media, over or under eating, binge watching TV, being a workaholic, excessive exercise, and video games are all common unhealthy coping mechanisms that are readily available to us. Since some of these are designed to be addictive, it can be particularly difficult not to inadvertently go down that road. This is why it is so common for survivors of sexual violence, veterans, and other people with PTSD to end up with substance use disorders. What simply started with wanting a break from the intensity has become an addiction. So do I think a survivor can have an alcoholic drink and be okay? Yes. Do I think that a survivor can have an alcoholic drink and that it is an unhealthy coping mechanism? Yes. Again, it boils down to motivation. If you're using social media to connect with other people, great. If you're using social media as a way to shut off your brain for a period of time, sounds like that may not be so great. Going for a run to promote health? Fantastic. Going for a run until you can barely walk so the pain distracts you? Maybe not so fantastic. But there are more forms of unhealthy coping mechanisms that most people don't necessarily know or think about, and that is bypassing. Spiritual and intellectual bypassing are the two most common versions of this that we see in society. Essentially, what this concept boils down to is using our intellect or spirituality to deflect from feeling the full intensity of the moment, just like any other coping mechanism. But instead of incorporating something externally, we are shutting off from ourselves by using something that already exists within us. It is another form of disconnecting from ourselves. And I know I just said a bunch of words that may sound sort of esoteric and not exactly clear, so I'm going to give you some examples to help you out. A way intellectual bypassing might look is if you're starting to address the trauma in your life, your therapist might introduce you to an idea that you've never heard of before. Ideally, you would think about this new idea, figure out if it's the right step for you, 
and begin taking steps to incorporate this new idea into your life if you think it's a good move. But the bypassing happens when you turn it into an intellectual exercise instead of a practical one. You spend hours finding articles and reading about it. You listen to as many podcasts as you can find. You order books. You spend hours upon hours learning about the topic. But you don't actually put any effort into applying it to your life. It's turning on our brains instead of turning on our hearts and our habits. Again, it's not that reading or listening to podcasts is inherently an unhealthy thing. It becomes unhealthy when we are using it as a way to disconnect from intense emotions. Spiritual bypassing looks very similar, except we turn to spirituality and faith practices. So, say you recognize that your trauma is deeply impacting you. Spiritual bypassing might mean attempting to find a certain set of spiritual practices that will take away all the pain in one fell swoop forever. It's assuming that the right combination of spiritual words, scriptures, teachings will finally be enough to tame the chaos. Is pursuing any of this unhealthy? No. But if you're going to use it to avoid connecting with yourself, it's not going to get you to where you want to go. Often, spiritual bypassing comes to light around the area of surrender. Do I believe that a key part of spiritual health is being able to release that which binds us? Yes, absolutely. But we can only truly release it if we have faced it fully. Otherwise, what's called surrender or acceptance is actually distancing ourselves from the pain we don't want to feel. And another common way we see this manifest is through religious platitudes. They are used when the person feels overwhelmed or uncomfortable with the situation. So instead of sitting with the discomfort and working through it, they distance themselves from the struggle using the quote, right words for the moment. These are also known as thought-stopping cliches. The purpose of them is to distract from the pain instead of allowing the space to face it and then move past it. Again, boiling this down to the most simple idea, healthy coping mechanisms are short-term supports to help you get through a difficult period but promote deeper and healthier connection. Unhealthy coping mechanisms distance you from yourself and life as it exists. It's artificially dampening the chaos instead of doing the work to release the reactivity from your life. And as is the case with all of this work, awareness is the first step. Being able to recognize that there are coping mechanisms that you want to change is always the starting point. Nothing else can happen until it is acknowledged. And often this work really begins by simply asking yourself, why am I doing this? It's amazing how many things we incorporate into our lives that we've never even given a second thought about. And once you have your answer about why you're doing it, then you get to ask yourself if it's something you want for yourself. Is it bringing the fullness of life that you want? Bringing you more peace? Bringing about a deeper connection with yourself, others, or the divine? If the answer is no, then you have the opportunity to change it. Remember, start small. 
big sweeping changes almost never stick. As you address these coping mechanisms, it can be easy to unintentionally replace one coping mechanism with another. Be aware of your decisions and how this might potentially unfold for you. The best advice I can give you is to do this work with the help of a mental health care professional. They can help you unpack what has driven you to this coping mechanism and how to manage the uncertainty that comes from change. And I also want to provide a caveat. If you have an addiction, there are resources that can help you with becoming sober. There are AA and NA groups, there are detox centers, there are support groups, and therapists that specialize in a whole range of addictions. If you have an addiction, most people find that breaking it happens best with a strong community of people and a support system, including medical care, if needed. Remember to give yourself the grace of understanding that your coping mechanisms helped you at one point in time. They allowed for a break from the chaos in a way that you weren't experiencing otherwise. But as you take steps forward, the next steps on the journey are to learn how to face life as it is without attempting to dampen it. Again, finding a therapist to help you with this will help the process feel more manageable. And as I look at my own journey, I can see how closely tied my coping mechanism of overworking was to my identity and unintentional avoidance of deeply held messages that I had. For many, many years, I didn't realize that I didn't understand how to simply be. Doing was the only way I felt like I earned my place in the world. It was a place I lived in so that my life wouldn't feel entirely overwhelming. But as I've gotten healthier, I've also been able to have a more balanced approach to work. I'm no longer using it as a coping mechanism. In fact, last fall, I quit my second job in order to only work on Louder Than Silence full-time. There have been many days when the old coping mechanism creeps up, but I can see what leads to these inclinations to disconnect now. One step at a time, I'm holding on to a healthier approach. And to have the life we want for ourselves, we must be able to look at life as we know it and decide if we are on the path we want to be on. We can ask ourselves the difficult questions and be okay with getting difficult answers. In facing how we've attempted to shield ourselves from how overwhelming life is after experiencing sexual violence, we can take steps forward. I'm not going to tell you that it's pretty and easy. It will be messy and painful and feel an awful lot like you're not handling it well some days. But this is also why we don't do this work alone, why we find therapists or join groups like the Louder Than Silence workshops. Being in spaces with people who are committed to finding a better way is such a powerful motivator. If you make this commitment to yourself, your life will improve. You will be more connected and see healing in ways that you couldn't have imagined before. Again, it won't be easy, but it will absolutely be worth it. Just picture the life you want for yourself, one filled with love, peace, hope, and joy. You can get there. Addressing your coping mechanisms will help you find the life you want. 
one day at a time. Thank you for listening to the Louder Than Silence podcast. If you'd like more information about our organization, visit us at louderthansilence.org and sign up for our newsletter or follow us on Instagram at louderthansilence.org. If you like our work, please consider donating today. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast for the most current episodes. See you next month.